Let's take a moment to pray. God, we thank you for uh, your word, and we thank you that it is strong, and so even when our voices aren't, thank you that you can speak powerfully to us. So we rest in that. I rest in that this morning, and I pray, Holy Spirit, we, uh, I'm not sure that we need to invite you, but we do. We, we, we invite you to be present in our midst. Uh, not just present, but we invite you to have first voice and free reign to speak what you would want to speak into our lives, God. We, uh, we simply, uh, we are in need of nourishment this morning, whether or not we recognize that, however we enter into this place, whether, uh, whether we feel that we're spiritually hungry or not, we are in need of your nourishment. So would you feed us this morning through the words of Scripture? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, there's some at the back, and uh, it'll also be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read beginning at verse 15 and read through to the first, just the first sentence of verse 19. <laughs> Clearly, we need to work this through the sermon. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God and Father, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to God. We have been in Ephesians now for a number of weeks. For some of you, uh, you might think it's been, it uh, feels longer than that because we've been going through it um, relatively methodically. Um, but we we're still in Ephesians. We've just over the last few weeks worked through Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, one big long sentence, remember, uh, where Paul just started and kept on going. And so we've moved our way through that whole run-on sentence and finished that last week. And, uh, and over this week and next week, we're going to take a look at that last chunk, that last part of chapter 1 um, that begins where I started reading this morning at verse 15. Uh, we'll start that uh, last paragraph this morning, and we'll finish, up, finish it up next week and, and be done the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, that first run-on sentence, verses 3 to 14, <clears throat> is, uh, is a praise document. You've heard that probably if you've been here um, the last few weeks. Um, it begins, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and it goes um, and just identifies a number of blessings that you and I enjoy in Christ. And we've talked about that over the last number of weeks um, and unpacked that fully. But it is a praise sentence, a praise uh, section of uh, Ephesians. And now, what I just started reading um, this morning, um, Paul switches gears a little bit and moves from praise um, to prayer. And uh, the, the section that we'll be looking at this week and next week are, are a prayer, kind of Coming out of that section of praise, he, 
he moves into a prayer for the people. Uh, and it's actually first, the first of two prayers in Ephesians <clears throat> where Paul is praying for the people. The other one is in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. It's, um, it's kind of a neat passage to read, what I read for you this morning, because it really brings out Paul's heart for the people. Um, this isn't just a, a generic letter, um, you know, where he's giving them factual information and then finishes up. His heart comes out for them. He loves these people, and um, you get a sense of, of his passion for them, his gratitude for them. Uh, they weren't perfect, um, but they were loved by Paul. And so we're going to take some time to unpack the content of, of his prayer this morning. What exactly is he praying for these people? We talked about over the last few weeks about the content of his praise for God. What, what's the content of his prayer for the people? Um, but before we actually get to the, to the content of his prayer, I want to point out a couple of key points right at the outset. They, they kind of frame everything that I'll talk about this morning. There's two key points. Um, the first one's at the outset of the passage that I read for you in verse 15. Um, and, and here's a key point, just something for you to mull over <clears throat> in your minds a little bit, uh, it, and it's this, that faith in Jesus Christ leads to love for one another. It's pretty simple. Faith in Jesus Christ, we, we've talked over the last few weeks about what it means to be in Christ um, and placing your hope in Christ and in your faith in Christ. Faith in Jesus has, has an output, it, it has an outflow. Um, and that is that it, um, faith in Jesus Christ leads us to love for people in general, but in particular, love for one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, in what, what Paul calls the saints. Um, faith in Jesus leads to love for the saints. And this is the whole, um, one of the areas that I can bring out this th- larger theme that we've been talking about, about the dance, uh, the dance in, in, in Christianity between what we believe and how we behave. They should be in fluid motion with one another, like two good dancers. Uh, what we believe should impact how we behave. And, and in particular, um, what we believe, our faith in Jesus, <clears throat> should have profound impact on how we treat people in general, but particularly the people who are sitting beside you right now, in front of you and behind you, um, fellow brothers and sisters. Um, I've got news for you and for me. Some of us are more easier to love than others. (laughs) And some of us, um, won't mention any names, Graham, um, are easier to love some days than other days. For example, right now, I'm not easy to love because I'm sick. My goal is to get you to do that three times in the sermon. <clears throat> but you know that, right? Um, it, loving people is hard. If you're married, you know that. If you have kids, you know that. If you have parents, you know that. Um, loving people is hard. But, but something happens for the one who places their faith in Jesus, that there is an outflow in our lives where because of the love that Christ has for us, we are called, even in the difficult times, to love one another. He says it, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I didn't want to breeze over that because that's his, kind of his, his start 
uh, before he gets into the prayer. Um, but he says, for this reason, because of everything I've just talked about, that run-on run sentence, all the spiritual blessings that you enjoy, um, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith and your love for each other, essentially, and he goes on to pray. We'll talk about that in a second. But I didn't want to breeze over that. Um, faith in Jesus, that, that, that belief leads us to a, a changed way of living, that we, we love one another. It should shape, our faith in Jesus should shape how we treat each other. You cannot have one without the other. You, cannot, you can't have faith in Jesus um, and, and, and be out of step with each other. There's, there are seasons when we, when we have disagreements and we have to come and apologize. I'm not talking about that. that I mean, of course, that's a regular part of relationships. Um, but it's, it's impossible for us to be um, a f- followers of Jesus and, and to not be looking out for how we can love one another, how we can love on one another. When we come here on Sunday mornings, it's not just to come here and stare at each other's back of each other's heads, sing a few ditties, listen to some guy talk, and go home. <clears throat> it, it's about loving one another. It's about worshiping, yes, because this isn't about us, this is about God, but it's, it's, it, it's worshiping in community. And part of that worshiping in community is loving on one another. And it's a good reminder for us. It's a good reminder for me, because quite honestly, um, it, sometimes coming here, the last thing I want to do is talk to any of you. Don't take that personally. But for example, when you're sick... <clears throat> That's it. I'm done. <clears throat> when, you, when, you, when you're just not, not really feeling like feeling the love, it's, it's, it's those times when we get together where we say, Lord, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you to worship you, but I'm not here by myself to worship you. I'm here with, with these dear folks. Would you give me opportunities to love on someone today, whether it's through a a comment, just through uh, a smile, uh, a conversation, just praying with them. God, would you give me an opportunity? Help me to step outside of where I'm at, and would you help me to, to love on someone? Because my faith in you, all the blessings that you have lavished on me, lead me to, even when it's hard, even when I don't feel like it, to love the saints. Okay. Here's another key point at the outset. Uh, love for one another should lead us to pray for one another. So um, what we, uh, our faith in Jesus leads us to love each other, and our love for each other should lead us to pray for one another. Acts, in Acts chapter 2, um, some of you will know this passage, it talks about the early church, and it says they devoted themselves to a number of things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, the opening up of, of, opening up of Scripture and, and the teaching of Scripture, to the fellowship, okay, that's to each other, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So there's the fellowship part that I mentioned a moment ago. They, they were... They, they, they were taught, yes, they submitted themselves to Scripture, and they got together to do that, um, but they devoted themselves to one another, and, and that's the love, but then it says that they also devoted themselves to prayer, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, that part of that prayer was they were, they were praying for one another, um, and if you're uh, hopefully within some context of Hillside, <clears throat> you have that experience to be able to pray for each other, whether it's in the context of, uh, of 
you know, a men's breakfast or a small group or a Sunday morning or even just in your regular relationship. Sometimes even around here on Sunday mornings, I see people, you know, just, just praying together, um, which is the way it should be. We have people up here every Sunday um, dutifully waiting here if anybody would love to be prayed for or with um, as much or as little information as they want to give. That's fine. But Faith in Jesus leads us to love each other, and love each, loving each other isn't just saying, how you doing? Nice weather out there, huh? You're sick? Oh, let me bring you a, a roast beef dinner this evening. <laughs> Hypothetically. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to blame it on the drugs, but I'm not on any... any but no, it's not, it's not just, please hear me, um, all joking aside, please hear me. We are called to fellowship. We're called to, um, to we're, we're, yes, we're called to love one another as an outflow of our faith in Jesus. But it's not just, it's not just buds. It's not just, well, I'm here for you when you need me to be here for you. Um, you know, I'll be the shoulder that you need to cry on if, if you need a shoulder to cry on. Or, or you know, I'll cheer you on. It, yes, it is all of that. But it, 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 as followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, it's more than that. It is coming alongside of one another when things are going awesome and saying, that is so great. Um, let me, let's celebrate together. God, thank you for what you're doing in, in this person's life. And it's coming alongside of somebody when they're struggling and saying, not just, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's, it's, you know what, I will pray for you. What specifically can I pray for you? And, and if you're comfortable, can we just pray right now on the phone? I mean, I've even prayed by email with people. Because our love for one another should lead us to pray for one another. This is where Paul's at. I've, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. These are people, remember, he's in jail in Rome. He's got enough problems of his own. But he's saying, he's sitting there remembering those people going, man, I love you guys. <laughs> and I want to pray for you. Okay, so those are the two overarching themes that I just want to, to, to remind you of. Faith in Jesus should lead us to love for one another. And love for one another should lead us to pray for one another. And that's what Paul does. He says, I want to remember you in my prayers. The content of, of the prayer um, begins in verse 17 um, and goes through the end of the chapter. We're going to take a look at the, the con what does he pray for the people? Well, what's the, what's the, the outflow of his prayer for the people? We're going to take a look at some of it um, this morning, uh, and then the last part of it, um, the second part of verse 19 and following, um, uh, Derwin's going to talk about next Sunday. So we're going to take a look at the content of what does Paul pray for the people. Um, I'll frame it this way. As I see it, he prays four things for the people. These people that he loves so much and wants to pray for, he prays four things for them. Um, he's thankful for them, he loves them, so he says, I'm going to pray four things for you. And it seems to me that all four things that he prays are all <clears throat> outflows of the spiritual blessings that he has just unpacked in the whole run-on paragraph um, in verses 3 to 14. It's kind of saying, okay, this is... This is this is what the spiritual blessings you enjoy in Christ, and now, now I'm going to pray. That I want to pray four things for you that would, would take those blessings into your daily lives. Four things, but notice in verse 17 where he starts out. 
he says, here's my prayer. I keep asking. I keep asking. Before we get to the four things, just, just think about that for a second. He, he, he says, you know what, here's, here are the four things I pray for you. <clears throat> and I just keep praying for them continually. I keep asking. I keep asking God for these four things for you. I just keep on asking. At the end of uh, our time this morning, we're going to be taking some silent time to actually pray this prayer um, on behalf of others. Um, but don't forget the point that it's not a one-time deal. Paul says, I'm going to keep praying for you. These four things are so important, and I believe so firmly in them, I'm just going to keep praying them for you. I'm going to keep on asking God. I'm going to nag God to death on your behalf for these four things. So, think, remember that. First thing he says, he says, I'm going to keep on asking that you would know him, mean God. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The, uh, just so you know, um, the, the original Greek language there is kind of goofy. Um, it's, it's a little bit strange to try and figure out that last paragraph so that you may know him better. Kind of the word order is kind of funny there. But most scholars um, agree that that's, that that's the idea of Paul's getting at. He, he, he wants these people to know God better. That's the point. And so he says, I'm going to keep on asking <clears throat> that you, my dear f- uh, followers of Jesus in Ephesus, yet you might know God better. That's one of the things I want to pray for you and keep on praying for you. His passion for these people is that they would know God better. The outflow, um, the end result of some of the spiritual blessings that Paul has just listed in the verses 3 to 14, that the outflow of all of those blessings is that it would lead them to know God better. <clears throat> that word know in, in, in that verse is a really interesting word. It, it it, it, it literally means a, a, a deep, intimate knowledge of. It's not just factual no, um, like, I, um, uh, like I, can, I can recite something to you. I, I know the recipe for such and such. <clears throat> That's not the idea of the no there. It's a, it's, a, it's a deep, intimate knowledge of, to the point where this same word uh, um, is, is actually used in the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament in some, uh, in some passages in the Old Testament where it talks uh, about sex. Um, when it says, you know, Adam had sex with Eve, Adam knew Eve. It, it, it's that same deep, intimate knowledge of. Um, it, it's not, it's not surfacey knowledge. It's, it's really getting down to the core of something, the deep, intimate knowledge and that's, what, that's the sense here that, that Paul's saying, you know, folks, I love you so much. My, one, of my, one of my prayers I'm going to keep on asking is that you would know God more and more intimately. That's a powerful prayer. How, does, how, how do they come to know God that way? Well, it, it, it's right there in the passage. He says, I'm going to pray that God would give you the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you'll know him better. So the way to get to know him better is, is through uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And uh, a lot of, um, uh, there's, there was a lot of, de- there's a lot of debate actually on this, of whether that should be translated a spirit of wisdom or the spirit of wisdom. 
Uh, and this is actually a really important point because it's not just a spirit of wisdom, I would argue. It's not just that God would give you inside of you a sort of a, just a general spirit of wisdom so that you'll know God. It's that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, i.e. the Holy Spirit. Because knowing God better is not just that we have to position ourselves so that within us we can kind of generate, you know, a spirit, a, a, a position of wisdom and revelation, our own wisdom generated up inside of us so that we can know God. Uh, I mean, that's, this, that's kind of the sense of this age, that you can develop it within yourself. You have the ability within you to know the divine. Um, and and it's, it's your wisdom. And I, that's not in, in step with what Scripture talks about. Scripture talks about that the only way that we know God is that, that He draws us to Himself, right? We, we've talked about that. Um, and the only way that we can um, that come to know God more and more intimately is if, is if by His Spirit, God reveals Himself more and more deeply to us. So He prays for the people. <clears throat> I want you to know God, and so I'll pray that, that He will give you uh, more and more and more of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Holy Spirit, so that you may know Him better. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, another letter that Paul wrote, <clears throat> um, he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit, and, and he says that the Holy Spirit, it, it, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The deep things of God come through by the, uh, revealed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 says, gives it, reveals the thoughts of God to us. And in fact, the, the section finishes up by saying that by the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ as followers of Jesus. That's what Paul's getting at um, in this passage to say, you know, I'm going to pray for you folks. Um, I love you so much. I'm going to pray that you will get to know God more and more intimately. How? I'm going to pray that, that God just reveals more and more of His Spirit to you, that, that, that He gives you more and more of the Spirit's wisdom so that you can know God more and more deeply. That's a powerful prayer to be praying for one another. God, I pray that he or she would know you better. Holy Spirit, would you more and more deeply reveal your wisdom and your revelation of who you are to her so that she will know you deeply, more and more intimately, more and more personally. It's a powerful prayer. <clears throat> Why would Paul pray that for the people? Well, it, part of the reason was because he knew that in, in, in Ephesus there was, there was a lot of bad teaching floating around. And, and if you go through the rest of Ephesians chapter 4, he's concerned about them being tossed back and forth by by. Um, deceptive teaching. And in chapter 5, verse 6, he, he talks about those who are deceiving you with empty words. And so he, one of his prayers is, these folks need to know you, God, deeply and more intimately. Um, he wants them to stay on track in their faith by knowing God better through the Spirit's revelation. So he says, I'm going to keep asking over and over and over again that you'll know God more deeply through the Holy Spirit's wisdom. I keep asking, secondly, that you may know hope. Not just know God, but know hope. He continues on and says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. <clears throat> Paul prays that they would know the hope to which they have been called as Christ followers. As we sang this morning, his prayer is that their, the eyes of their heart would be opened. That's a great 
it's a great Old Testament biblical image because we don't usually talk like that, that the eyes of my heart may be opened. But, but the idea in the Old Testament is that the core of who the people were, the, uh, who they are as, as individuals, their hearts, that, that their eyes, that, 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 that they might be opened up out of darkness and the light might come in and that they, that they might have full understanding of the hope that they have in Christ, that they would know this full hope. In the last uh, few weeks, we've been unpacking um, uh, verses 3 to 14, and in verse 12, it talks about hoping in Christ. How do you hope in Christ? Well, you hear first, and then you believe. We talked about all of that. Uh, and then you place your hope in, uh, your trust in. Remember the chair sitting down um, and, and just trusting completely, placing your hope in Christ. And now Paul prays um, that this hope, that this hope, um, would be really known by them in their daily lives, that the new reality into which God has brought them in Christ would saturate their daily lives, that it wouldn't just remain something that, oh yes, that's what I believe. That is what I believe, yes, and and, and there it is. Um, It's right in Scripture there. But but it would become something moved from belief to into their behavior, into their regular everyday lives, that hope wouldn't just be a theological concept, but it would be something that they experience, that they would know it more and more deeply in their lives, that the eyes of their heart would be opened to live daily in the full and abundant reality of the spiritual blessings that He's just told them about. Paul's not praying here for new and fresh blessings for them. When he gets to his prayers, he's not praying anything new and novel. Rather, he's praying that they would live in and out of the spiritual blessings that they already enjoy. I got to say, just personally speaking, that that it's it's right here that over the last couple of days I've really been challenged as I've been reviewing my notes for this because... Um, <clears throat> hasn't been the best of weeks, um, and there's a number of things that I'm just working through in my own head and heart, um, and I found myself, um, you know, praying, God, I just, I just need you to bless me in these certain areas, and, and, and as I read this over the last few days, it's as if God said to me, I've already blessed you. Review verses 3 to 14 that you've been praying on, idiot. Well, that wasn't quite what God said, but... <laughs> but Graham, I've already blessed you. You just need to live in and out of how I've already blessed you. You have all you need. You just need to live in the hope that you have just preached about. You need to step into that hope. You need to... to begin to fully experience that hope. Incidentally, um, I believe that's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. Um, the, kind of my theme verse um, over the last number of months has been Romans 15, 13. I'm kind of just living in Romans 15, 13 right now. So I've committed it to memory um, for the most part. Um, but Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> That's where I'm living right now because I just need to, sometimes you just need to soak in certain things and get a and let God speak it into your life. But that's where I'm at, saying, God, I, okay, the hope I heard about in, in Ephesians 1, now I want to, I God of hope, I want it to overflow in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, open my eyes so that I can walk in the hope that is mine in Christ and let it saturate my daily life and let it so saturate my daily life, incidentally, Romans 15, 13, that not only do I experience full hope, but it overflows out of me. Like, I'm just one lean, mean, hope-sending machine throughout the community, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I keep asking, Paul says, for these people over and over and over again that they may know hope. He says, thirdly, I keep asking that you may know your standing. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Then he says this, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. <clears throat> it seems to me that Paul's not talking here of our inheritance. Verse 14 that we talked about last week talks about our inheritance. We talked about that a little bit. But this one, he says, the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in the saints. I would argue that he's not talking here about, about our inheritance. Paul's talking here about God's inheritance. Huh? Paul is talking about that which belongs to God. That which is in the eyes of God is rich and glorious. I think in this passage, that phrase, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the saints are you and me. We talked about that at the very beginning of, of Ephesians chapter 1, that you've got a name change and you are now a saint. And I believe that this passage is, it, Paul's prayer is that these people would be not just know God and not just know hope, but that they would know their standing, that, that as saints, they are God's inheritance. That's amazing. Paul's desire is that they would come to daily live out of that place, <coughs> that they are God's inheritance, that they might get it, that they might begin to grasp it in their daily lives, that their behavior might begin to dance with that belief and it might become a beautiful, um, a beautiful dance before God, that they would begin to grasp that, that that is God's perspective of them that they are God's inheritance, that He values them that deeply. And inheritance is something that you value, right? It's something that is wor that's worth um, a lot. And we are God's inheritance. That's our standing. Not because of anything we've done, but God has said, I, God gave us life and said, you are mine. I, I love you. Just kind of how we look at our kids. They're not inheritance in the sense of, you know, monetary value, but, but they're, they're invaluable because they're ours. They're our little kids. We'll do anything for them. And Paul, it's as if Paul's saying, you know what, I want you, dear folks, I'm going to keep on asking that God would just help you to know how valuable you are. You are part of the glorious inheritance of the living God. 
That's how much he loves you. And Paul says, I want you to live out of that. I want you to live there. Even when you're sick, don't, ah, I already got my three times. We're okay. Paul's prayer is that they would know the richness, the daily, hourly richness of being God's inheritance and of living in that standing, living out of that standing. I pray that you may know your standing. And then Paul lastly says, I'm going to keep asking, I'm going to keep asking that you may know power. Not just that you may know God, not just that you may just know hope and know your standing, but I want you to know your I want you to know power. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And this is probably, this is the climax of this whole first chunk of Ephesians, where he's saying, you know what, I've told you all about your spiritual blessings, and these are some things I want you to know, but ultimately, ultimately, I want you to know power in your life. I want you to, uh, I'm going to keep asking and keep praying on your behalf before God that you would know power in your life. Not the kind of power that we know of in our world. We're about um, to, oh, I was going to say all. A good chunk of us are about to go somewhere today and eat a lot of bad food and watch a football game. Some of us don't care about the football. Some of us only care about the halftime show. Some of us don't even care about the halftime show. You can just leave the TV off for all you care and just like the dips. That's all you're into. Some of you are equal opportunity employers and like everything about the whole day. Um, But we're about to celebrate power in the world's eyes today. Powerful people, physically powerful, um, famous people and the power they have. I mean, it saturates our world and Super Bowl is one of those times when when you see it. But but that's obviously not what Paul is praying for. He's praying that they would know power on a completely different level. Verses 3 to 14 unpack the spiritual blessings that we have. And Paul ultimately is saying to the people, I want what you have in Christ to dance with how you live your daily life. And I want you to experience, and I'm going to pray over and over and over again, that you experience great power in your life, that you experience God's incomparably great power that is available to those who believe, to those who are in Christ. It's available to us. The great power that Derwin's going to unpack for us next week, because it unpacks exactly what that looks like and sounds like and, and, and what he's talking about there, but we're gonna, it, it deserves a sermon on its own, talking about the, the incomparable great power of God. Paul's saying, if that power, then I'm going to pray to God that you experience in your daily life. In those areas of your life where you think, no, God's light can't penetrate that darkness. In those situations in your life where you're thinking, nah, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. In those relationships where there's brokenness or they just drive you crazy. Or in that unemployment situation where you think, I I don't know. 
or in that financial crisis where you're thinking, I'm just not sure how this is going to work. Paul's saying, I'm going to pray over and over again that, that it wouldn't just remain theory, but that in your life you would experience that incomparably great power that is available. Stay tuned for next week as we take time to consider the great power of the living God. We're going to close this morning really um, with not a lot of fanfare. Um, we're going to close by praying because it seems silly to me to be able to, to, to unpack a prayer <coughs> and then not actually pray it. But here's, my, here's how I want to close Paul's praying four things for these people, um, these people that he loves so deeply. I want, I, I want you to know God, no hope, no standing, and no power. I want you to know these things. I'm going to keep praying over and over and over again that you would know these things. Why am I praying all this? Because I love you. What would happen if we committed to praying for one another like that? What would happen if we committed to praying for one another these four things and to do it naggingly so before God? What would happen if you prayed that prayer for your children over and over and over again? What would happen if you prayed that prayer for your grandchildren over and over and over again? I keep asking you, God, that they would know you, know hope, know their standing, and know your power. What, how would that change even our fellowship here? How would that change our conversations, even over coffee or in, in a small group or as you run into each other throughout the week or eat by email or text or whatever? Um, how, how would that change our, our conversations if we're saying, okay, I want to be praying these things for you? What specifically in those areas can I pray for you? Where do you need to know God's power? It would change our fellowship. And so, I want to end our service this morning by simply giving us an opportunity to pray this prayer. I want you to take a second, and it, it, you can actually look around if you want to, but I want you to choose somebody to pray for quietly as we close our service. I'm going to lead you through this prayer. We're going to pray these things, but I want you to have someone in your head as you're praying this. So it, it might be someone sitting here, it's the person next to you, behind you, it's, and, and it's okay to look around if you want to choose somebody. You don't have to, you know point at them, but, but maybe, or maybe it's not someone here, maybe it's, maybe it's your children, or your grandchildren, or your wife, or your husband. I mean, the, whoever God brings to your head right now, but, I, but as we close this in prayer, I want you to have somebody specifically in your head to be praying this for. So take a second and do that. I'm going to invite the team forward. Um, they can prepare to, to close this after we finish praying. But take a second to think about it. Who would you like to be asking God for in these next few minutes?
You got somebody? Just before we close our service uh, with a song, I, I want us to take a, just, a, just a few seconds. I want to read through the, the Scripture. I'll pause in particular places. And I, I just want you to pray these words, these words of Scripture, using some of the things that we've talked about this morning. And just take time to pray specifically, just in the quietness of your own thoughts, for that person that God has placed on your heart. So let's close by praying for them. Let's pray. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened. in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you. In order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints. in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. God, we thank you for the truth in what we have just read and prayed. And as we pray it back to you on behalf of the individual or individuals we've been contemplating, we simply ask, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Mm -hmm. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.